Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. As always, I'm here with Matt. Say hello, Matt. Oh, hello, Matt. How are we going? <laughs> I am Courtney, if the intro didn't already make that obvious. So, <laughs> I just was thinking about it just now, Matt, though. It's a bit stupid that every time I do an intro to our podcast, I say, Hi, my name's Courtney. Of course I know it's Courtney. Only if I put the intro before we start speaking, I could actually cue it up after this. In that fact, I think be, I will this time, actually, just to fuck around. Really, okay, done. Really awkward. So you're hearing this before we play the intro music just to mess with Courtney. I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Pretty much. But anyway, I'm here, Matt's here, we're here, and we are going to be doing a Q&A today. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done one. We The last one we did was, as I think we both agreed at the time, by far and away our worst episode ever. So we set the bar pretty high. And I've started this one strong as well. You have. You're off to a, to a blinder, <laughs> as we like to say in Australia. Australia. So let's see if we can actually get it worse. So it probably goes without saying that Courtney and I get a lot of questions as trainers from a lot of people all over the world. And we get a lot of thought-provoking questions. Admittedly, we get some laugh-inducing questions because this is the way some people word them because I don't, I'm not sure if they're deliberately humorous or not. But some are worth spinning out into their own podcast topics. Others aren't. But we do enjoy answering questions because it keeps us on our toes but also covers things that, you know, you actually might want to know about. But I suppose, on the other hand, may cover things you don't give a fuck about. Hmm. In which case, well, stiff shit. Pretty much. Our so, podcast. we've so, randomly selected some questions. Actually, we haven't randomly selected a bloody thing. We have a pile of questions that we've printed off here on our desk that are turned over. And one by one, and one by one, we're just going to pick them and ask each other the question and just give it... Give it the old college try. Okay, so this is going really well so far. So, let me pick the first question. Okay, portion control. How do you do it? Eat to your full. Next. Elaborate a little bit, please. Okay, uh, eat your meal until you are full. Next. All right, so portion control, a lot of people actually do ask this question. A lot of people are unsure whether they're eating too much, they're eating too less. Chances are you're eating too less. Generally speaking, most people eat not enough of good food. Okay, I'm glad you went to clarify and that. And <laughs> they eat, we naturally, generally overeat on the bad food and we will undereat on the good food. Can I use one of my favorite sayings right now? Yes. No one gets fat eating vegetables. Correct. So, yes, you do want to limit your intake of the bad food. So processed foods, um, 
the oh, obvious really high sugary foods. It's really, really common sense stuff. Well, you, assuming your goal is weight loss. Assuming your goal is weight loss. If it's not weight loss, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Um, <laughs> yes. The, the marathon podcast is next down the list. Um, or the weight gain podcast. But if, in terms of us, yes, it's real common sense stuff. Really, you've got to limit intake of processed foods, sugary foods, really, really high carb starchy foods. You know, if you're piling your plate of those sort of foods, then you're going to fill yourself up pretty quickly. And you're also um, going to be doing your goals a massive disservice. So yes, the saying is correct. You really can't overeat on vegetables. So make sure you've got plenty of color and variety in your vegetables and or just on your plate in general. In your plate on, yeah. And make sure that you've got some protein there as well. It's really important to have a source of protein in your diet. If Doesn't protein make you big and bulky? Protein does not make you big and bulky. Like weight training? No. Um, it doesn't oh. damage your kidneys either. So uh, obviously yeah, everyone reacts differently to different proteins. There's some people out there because of dietary or just ethical reasons choose their proteins in a certain way that's fine it doesn't really matter that much as long as it you've got some sort of protein in your meal and it suits you and it suits your body then great but yeah vegetables are definitely well, the way to go not all protein sources are created equally we should probably no. just get that out there but that is becoming an uber digression on the question correct portion control if you are actively working on shoveling less shit into your face which i would dare suggest is a good strategy for weight loss. Would yes. you agree, Courtney? 100%. Okay. And you are looking to have more lean, unprocessed, you know, natural from the ground, off the tree types of food. Portion control is really a matter of, you know, kind of eat till you're satisfied just because, as I said, no one gets fat eating vegetables. Uh, next question? Yep. All right, let's go. Oh, Hello. If overtraining leads to plateau and increasing body fat, why do CrossFit athletes seem to be so fit but ripped at the same time? Because they don't just do CrossFit. Thank you. So Thank you. They're, they're, they're very different thing. CrossFit CrossFit athletes at the end of the day are athletes. That's what they are. Are so we talking though? Let's Shall we say this question and the answer is related to CrossFit athletes at the high levels? Yeah, well, I'm talking about... The ones you see on ESPN. You CrossFit games sort of people. And these are the people I'm assuming that the question is targeted at. And they are in ripping shape. These girls and these guys are in ripping shape. The thing is... They're elite athletes. They don't do CrossFit 365 days of the year. They do CrossFit style training sessions to get them ready for things like the CrossFit Games. We have a cat. But, we've got a cat. But they don't do it. They don't do just do CrossFit all the time. So they do running. They'll do um, just literally heavy weight training uh, days. They'll do um, different styles of cardio days. I know like they do a lot of um, bike stuff. They do a lot of circuit stuff. So their, their uh, training regimes are very varied to help them get ready for the games and to help them get into that shape. It's like um, if you look at the difference between the uh, body type of a sprinter at the Olympics compared to a marathon runner. They didn't, a sprinter didn't get a body like that just from running. So there's other, there's other training methods that come into it um, that gets them to look like that. And obviously they have to train and eat 
they have to eat to match their training. So in terms of the overtraining part of that, Matt, you could probably like talk about how, how do athletes train a lot without overtraining? Well, the, the CrossFit athletes, much like athletes training for any event, are training to peak at a certain time. So let's say you have an athlete who's training to compete in the CrossFit Games. Fantastic. So the training you will do, general sorts of training to get your body to a certain strength level to then improve at the specific lifts and movements that you're doing at the games. But like any event, you have to peak for it. Mm. So these CrossFit athletes, I can tell you, are not doing that sort of exercise at that sort of volume day in, day out through the year. They will break. Oh, yeah. So they and are... I'll, and they some are, of them do. Some of the uneducated ones do. Oh, the amateur level, yes. At yeah. the professional level, they're peaking for it. They have very structured training routines and uh, nutrition regimens and recovery plans to make sure they get to that day at peak condition, peak fitness, peak strength, which often involves knowing when to back it off. Mm -hmm. uh, we call that a taper. <clears throat> so... What you see on TV is not what happens all year round. If it did, you'd have we'd have a lot of people that would be hurting themselves and their performance would be compromised. So for the average person who whose goal is not to peak for the CrossFit Games, as in the people listening to this podcast being weight loss, that sort of a routine is not really relevant to purely weight loss. It's geared towards strength, performance, etc., uh, and eating and resting to recover. Now, a lot of those principles will carry over to weight loss, but the average uh, person that wants to lose a bit of weight and get in great shape does not need that. No. And remember as well, they've done years and years and years of building up to that sort of level. Well, it, it's, of it's very specific. Too. It's very specific. And I think, I think um, the Australian CrossFit uh, champion, um, Tia Toomey, Tia, Tia Toomey, yeah, she competes in the CrossFit Games. Now, the year she either won or she came second in the CrossFit Games was the year that she was actually training because she represented Australia in the last Olympics for weightlifting. So that goes to show you as well, the style of her training obviously lent itself to be able to do both events in the same year. So she's obviously able to train and she's able to compete in a weightlifting competition well not just competition at the olympics and she's also able to compete in the crossfit games can i give a, an analogy uh as a trainer having trained uh the occasional athlete in my career yes i worked uh, before you and i met my beloved wife uh, <laughs> i worked with a sprinter Nick. a very yeah a very very high level sprinter whose goal was to obviously this may come as no surprise run faster Duh. but also improve recovery and minimize the little niggles and injuries you pick up because as part of that routine when you're you know, increasing your volume towards a specific athletic event you can wear down so the first uh the first you know three months we spent together we did nothing related to sprinting all we did was let's get your body stronger because a stronger athlete is always a better athlete, no matter what the discipline is. Mm -hmm. So we got the got his strength up. Uh, so he was you know better at the key lifts, bench press, deadlift, squats, etc. And then after we got to a certain target we were aiming for on those key lifts, then we started to transition over to more sports specific 
training. So in this case, for a sprinter, a very explosive uh, pursuit, we don't need to focus too much on you know weight training for endurance, do we? It's explosive power. Mm-hmm. But you need to have that foundation of strength. And I know if I were to train a CrossFit athlete, and to be fair, I wouldn't because it's not what I specialize in, but if somehow I, I were to do that, the first thing I'd be looking at is let's get them stronger so they are a better form of athlete, a stronger athlete, a more injury-resistant athlete. Then as their strength gets to a certain level, you can start to look at more sports-specific type of training to get them ready for that event. But once that event has passed, uh, go take some time off. Then you're back you know, in your off-season doing the fundamental things you need to do to prepare for your next on-season. So great question that led to a long answer. Yeah, it is a great question. But I think what you just said there, Matt, is a really important point. There there has to be a level of foundation or um, foundational strength that is developed first, which you would find that that is the case with a lot of these really top-level CrossFit, CrossFit athletes. They would have a really, really solid base of strength any, there. Any athlete would in these sort of explosive sports, yeah. even um, like football, basketball, etc., so it is, it is a very, very simple rule. A stronger athlete is a better athlete and strength comes through traditional strength training routines. Correct. So I nailed it. Next. Next. Um, why is it so expensive and so repetitive? Now, I'm not exactly sure where this question was going, um, whether it's to do with, I guess, the whole process. Well, I don't know. look. Given that our last Q&A was officially our shittest episode ever, that means the bar's pretty low. So what harm is it going to do if we just assume? Okay, assume. My assumption would be, why is it so expensive and repetitive? That might sound like the whole process of losing weight, i.e. gym, exercise, potentially healthy eating, uh, and also costs of paying a coach, paying a trainer, etc., I'm going to kick... Actually, can you just repeat that question one more time? Why is it so expensive and so repetitive? All right. One of my favorite sayings is this. If you think it's expensive paying a professional, try paying an amateur. That's very funny. You know, you know the whole, oh, I can do it myself? Yeah. Thing, that myth that we busted a few episodes back? Yeah. So here's the thing. Anything in life that is, that is a service-based or involves you know, paying for something, there's costs involved. The thing is, whether you're paying for the drive-thru at McDonald's or you're paying for a batch of fresh fruit and veg at the local market, you're still paying. I would then say that whilst to some people it may seem cheaper or more convenient to eat takeaway or fast food, you're paying a price in a different area in that you look like shit, you feel like shit, you function like shit, and you hate yourself and your life. Mm -hmm. I used to pay that price. I didn't like it. Was it a couple episodes ago, Courtney, did I ask you to have it consider how much money you may have spent since we first met on like, you know, training, good eating. I think that did come up in one of the episodes. Yeah. The number would be astronomical. The number would be huge. But you would think it's worth every cent because of, of the pain you were in before you were investing money in that. Of course. And I like my life. So I would prefer to pay the money and 
and to find the money or take it from other places and spend it on something that's going to make me really happy. But I think as well, the thing to remember is that everybody has a different idea of what's expensive to them. So there are different things you can do to help minimize the costs of say healthy eating. So you can learn to cook in batches. You can Mm. learn to use cooking methods that don't involve the really top premium cuts of meat that involve maybe the the cheaper cuts of meat that is still going to be really good because you can change the cooking method. You can buy frozen vegetables instead of fresh vegetables. You can... I can vouch for that. You can change around your eating to suit. Now, I don't do that. I spend the money on fresh vegetables because I'm fussy. And you know what? That is a sacrifice that I'm willing to make. I'm willing to spend the extra money on food that I really enjoy eating because I don't see the reason to spend money on food I don't enjoy eating. Mm. So it, it's it's really a personal thing. If, if the money means more to you than the taste of the food, there are ways that you can buy and spend less money on healthy food. It, it, it There is ways out there. It's just about thinking them through and actually making them work. Um, so you can budget for that. Now, as Matt said, training. Why is training so expensive? Again, it's relevant to the person. Um, it depends how much you you put a, a, uh, a point on having really good teachers to teach you the best way possible so you don't have to rely on the thing is and that the sort of trainers I think the philosophy that Matt and I have always had was you'd rather spend the money once than keep on spending it so I would rather spend a slightly higher price on something that I know that I'm going to learn it's going to be done right and then I'm going to be able to follow it on and continue on for the rest of my life rather than spend a smaller amount of money but the outcome is is not going to be there. The res, the information you're going to get is not going to be there. So you're constantly spending the small amount of money, which turns into a really, really large amount of money. And you've, and you've gone nowhere. So to me, why is it so expensive is because I'm worth every cent. Um, that's why I've got no problem spending money on myself. You know, yeah. Gym memberships, um, food, supplements, like even clothes. Yeah. I'm worth it. Simple as that. I yeah. I value myself and I value myself as an investment. So to me, I think the question more is thrown back at the person asking it. Why is it so expensive or are you worth the cost? In terms of why it's so repetitive, that depends on what you're doing. If, I think it's only repetitive if you allow it to be repetitive. Well, if you're if you're a boring as fuck eater and you're eating the same the same boring meals every single day, then it's repetitive because you're not you're not looking to increase your variety. In terms of training, uh, training does not have to be repetitive because there should always be progression. Yes. If there's progression, even if you're doing the same weights exercises through your program, <clears throat> which you should be, then the variety there comes through the progression of you getting stronger and you increasing your ability to perform at a higher level. If it's repetitive because you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again with no actual progression, well, the, the programming needs to be looked at. And then you can also change up your cardio around that, which is... And should. Which I was about to say, not only can you, it's highly recommended you do. Mm. Otherwise, again, you're just going to continue to get good at the same thing. So I think in terms of both nutrition and exercise, it's only repetitive if you allow it to be repetitive. All right. Next um, question? Yeah, I think that's it. Well done, dear. All right. What's the best way to speed up weight loss? 
There is a one sentence answer to that, but I'll let you go for this one. Um, there's actually this magic pill that uh, Matt and I have designed, so it'll be out next week, um, available on our website. Theweightlosspodcast.com yeah. forward slash the magic pill. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. Uh, there is no way to speed it up. Uh, that would, that, that, actually, that would be false. Well, it depends what you're talking about in terms of speeding it up. When I hear someone say, how do I speed up fat loss? I automatically think somebody wants this to happen within weeks. Um, there are ways that you can make it easier on yourself and you know you can help your chances of speeding it up, but it's still not going to happen within like, you know, the, the 12 days that the magazine said it was going to happen in. <laughs> so it's it's what your perception is of how to speed it up. So I can't get ripped in 12 days. Is that what you're saying? You can't get ripped in 12 days, but there are definitely things that you can <sighs> do. Oh, like roll credits. This show's over. Fuck to help shit. yourself. So Matt, what what within a realistic sort of time frame, someone's got a realistic time frame yeah. and they say, look, I don't want this to take three years. I want this to take maybe one or, okay. or 18 months how do i narrow that gap what are the things that i can do okay one eat less shit yeah start there <laughs> uh two let's go let, let's go left field and a a sneak preview for an upcoming episode of our podcast get more sleep yes uh actually and the probably the best answer i could give in terms of what's the best way to speed it up don't give that horse shit excuse well I can do it myself no you fucking can't because if you could you would have get help get structure and education get definitely get get help honestly get help if you to me anything I've I've uh, achieved in my life has come because I've had good people help me improve at it yeah and I actually that's across the board yeah and everything like this podcast did not launch because, oh, well, I can use a computer. Let's make a podcast. No fucking way. Mm. I had to get specialist assistance and coaching to how to produce, how to edit, how to upload. And I'm like, I'm not that fucking good, but it works. It doesn't yeah. catch fire every week. Yeah. But I had to get coaching how to be a trainer. Yeah. How to be a better trainer, as did you. Yeah. So get help. Next question, please. Oh. Ripping through these. Okay. We're killing it. Uh, why doesn't anyone simply tell you about macro breakdown? Because that shit doesn't fucking count. Because the the weight loss industry has a problem with numbers to begin with. I think people in general have why a problem with are numbers. You, well, this is the weight loss podcast, not the people in general podcast. So people in weight loss have an issue with numbers to begin with. They're already caught up on the scales. Oh, I just gained 400 grams. Oh, I, I didn't lose 10 kilos in three days. People are hung up on numbers to begin with. If you then start going into things like macro breakdowns and calorie counting, etc., you're going to add to the noise. I think it's the same reason why you don't calorie count. So I, I know the, the new thing. Back when I was growing up, calorie counting was all the rage. It still is. No one even spoke about macros. 
Um, whereas now it seems to be swinging a little bit and people are starting to talk about macros like it's this new U-boot thing that, that is like the, the magic pill that no one's ever Swing, speaking about. Swings and roundabouts, do you? Yeah, Shit comes it's the and same, goes. It's the same sort of thing. Now, the thing is, is as, as Matt just said, you, you could easily do that. You could easily go buy your macros if you wanted to. But it's the same thing with calories. You could easily go buy calories if you wanted to, but you, you're going to lose weight. But are you really going to do that for the rest of your life? Do you really well, want to calorie count for the rest of your life? Do you really want to macro count for the rest of your life? Do you want to be that obsessed about it that you were going to do that for the rest of your life? You've got a meal in front of you and you're not going to eat it until you figure out the macros that is in that meal. Hang on, hang on. Let me just shave this little slice off my chicken. Okay, I'm good. Uh, so that is, it, 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 it just, it borders on the level that you get when you're talking about doing something for the rest of your life, where is this sustainable and is this going to lead to more obsessive behavior? Um, and that is where that it does have the risk of doing that. I know macros come in really, there's a lot of athletes out there or there's a lot of people that prep for competitions, um, bodybuilding competitions that love to go by this. Well, they're not listening to this podcast. A, they're not listening to this podcast. B, I can guarantee they're not doing it for their entire year. So they're doing it for a short period of time. So for prep sort of time. So what... Don't get sucked into the to the knowledge of oh, but this person counts their macros. That's freaking great for that person, but I can guarantee you that person doesn't do it for every single meal they eat, for every single day of the week, for every single day of the year. Do you know why else uh, we don't need to just talk about macro breakdowns? Why? Because we don't have to. No, that is that we, is we the big answer. We don't have answer. to. So you and I haven't done it. We've like I don't know how to do it. We, to be honest, I can show you, mm. but I know how to do it. We just don't need to do it. We don't need to. So you and I have had the results that we've had, not looking at that. We've had dozens and dozens and dozens of successful client transformations all over the world with none of that. Yeah. So there are more than one way to, or there is more than one way to skin a cat. As the phrase goes, we just know, for example, with what Courtney and I do with our clients, they can lose a stack of weight, improve their health, improve their confidence, improve their life without having to do it. So in my mind, I like the idea of figuring out how little you need to do to get a result. Correct. And it's just about being aware. But I think the other thing to keep in mind when you're looking at cal- at, at um, looking at macro breakdowns and, and calories and things like this is that it's too easy then to also just use that as just a set standard um, like a diet, like basically a meal plan. And so you're not actually remember the habits episodes we did a couple a few weeks ago you're not going to address any of those habits because all you're doing is following a plan and you're just following a set a set of rules and so again unsustainable to follow a specific set of rules for every meal for every day of the week for the rest of your life there's there is a difference between telling someone what to do and teaching someone what to do for themselves uh next question yes am i i'm reading this one aren't i yes okay Ooh, I'm keen to get your answer on this. What is your idea of a healthy lifestyle? The one I'm leading. (laughs) That's a wrap, folks. Show's over. (laughs) Well, no, it it, it is a healthy lifestyle to me is having a balanced balanced, uh, nutrition, day-to-day nutrition. So my nutrition day-to-day is very balanced. Do I still eat chocolate? Yes. 
Do I drink coffee? Yes. Do I still occasionally drink uh, a glass of alcohol? Yes. You know, if, if someone's having a party and I want a, a, a piece of whatever, insert cake or slice or whatever here, I will eat that. So I, but the bulk of my nutritional lifestyle is very, very healthy, non-processed foods that I cook myself. And that's what I see as a very, very healthy lifestyle. I exercise every week, whether I'm traveling, not traveling, every week of 52 weeks out of the year, unless I, for some reason, am ill or something like that, something has come up, I will be active in some sort of way, whether it be walking or high doing high-intensity exercise. I think it's always really important to stay active, to eat fantastically good, non-processed foods that I 90% of the time will cook myself, but I still leave myself open to having treats when I feel like it. For me, my personal idea of a healthy lifestyle is one that allows me to do what I want my body to do without you know, compromise. One that lets me enjoy my life and enjoy who I am and enjoy living in my own skin um, whilst having the flexibility you know, to not have to be on a diet, if that makes sense. I think just quickly before we wrap that question up, Matt, I think the other thing that I'll also add to that is to me, a healthy lifestyle is one that I'm also living now where I'm so in touch with my body that I can tell when something's slightly off or I can tell when I'm functioning really well. I can just really sort of pick up on those things. And I think it's also just the ability to be able to read my body, listen to my body and make changes where necessary i think that that is something when i was living a very unhealthy lifestyle that i had absolutely no comprehension of and i think as well i actually can't remember and one minute ago did i mention sustainability i can't remember either okay where, where? i wasn't really listening to you <laughs> now that comes as no surprise a healthy lifestyle to me is also one that gives me what i'm looking for in terms of you know functionality um, you know, looking my best, feeling my best, but also one that I can sustain mm. and one that I can take with me no matter where in the world I am or who I'm with or what situation I'm in. Yeah? I don't think I mentioned looking my best either, but I think that that goes with everything else I said. All right, next one. Oh, that's me. No, that's the other person that's on Sorry. the podcast with us. Uh, how did you keep going when you felt crap? And what motivates you to keep going? Oh, good question. Mm-hmm. Both have the same answer. Yeah. I have a very strong why. Mm-hmm. If you have a very strong why, you will do things even when you don't feel like doing it because you know that they must be done. And same thing with motivation. If, you're commi- if, you're, if you have a cause that you are strongly emotionally committed to, motivation honestly is a non-factor. I was not motivated to go and do my hill runs this morning, but I still did it mm-hmm. without even thinking about it. But how good do you feel after it's done? I feel fantastic. See, it's funny because I read something a while back and it stuck with me and it basically said that mo- there's no such thing as motivation until you start. And I really like that idea because it is true. It's 
you can't rely on motivation and motivation really isn't going to kick in until you've started to do something and you get the really good feeling that you get from doing that. Um, that's when motivation tends to kick in and even then it's not going to last forever. It's just like that warm feeling that you get where you're proud of yourself or you're really happy that you did something. Well, that's an achievement, not really motivation. I actually think the more you do it, once you get started, the less motivation is an actual factor because you're working towards an outcome. Well, correct. And it's never going to show up all the time. Motivation is something that's going to come and go across your life always. Um, but I agree. So not relying on motivation is definitely a big one. Well, So nothing really motivates me to keep going. It's more of a dedication and a commitment to my goals, the way that I want to live, the way that I want to look, the way that I want to feel. Um, I would describe it more like that than a motivation towards those things. Well, I would say if you find yourself, you know, not doing what you know you need to do because you're not motivated, that means your goals aren't strong enough. Yeah, it's definitely based on the reason why you're doing things. And I think as well, you can look at it and you can think to yourself, if you're somebody out there who is struggling and feels like crap or you feel like you're not achieving what you set out to achieve or you're not do you know you're not following through on things i think just have a look at the reason why you started in the first place and the goals you set for yourself because potentially they might be wrong for you and it's not necessarily that you set them wrong on purpose um a lot of people just bury things inside themselves and i mean matt you know what um, where i'm going here because we both were in really you know bad places and upsetting places uh, at different times of our lives that you can bury things inside yourself and when you come to the point where when you come time to actually want to make a change and you want to set a goal for yourself and you want to set the reason why you're doing it often they're so far buried within you um, that they're not obvious to you and you don't then know that, that that's the reason that you should be doing so you pick something else and then you think to yourself why aren't I following through on this why isn't it strong enough for me so if you find yourself really struggling, potentially you just need to readdress why you started and the goals you set for yourself and really think to yourself about whether that they're the thing, is that what's upsetting you most in your life or is there something that's sitting there that you'll just have been unwilling to actually really address? And I, I must give myself a pat on the back here. As a trainer, I think I'm very good at getting that out of people. Yes. Uh, I, I do see a lot of people with their motivation struggle because the goal they think they're working towards is something they're working towards because they think they need to do it. Yes. And there is a gigantic, colossal, ocean-wide difference between needing to do something and wanting to do something. Absolutely. Next question? Yeah. All right, I'll get this one. Grab it. Which exercises are best for tightening the abdominal area? It's a good question. Food prep. <laughs> I actually knew you were going to say that. Um, yes. Actually, what you do outside of the gym makes a massive difference. Massive, massive, massive assuming, difference. Assuming that the question is with regards to getting rid of the gut... Not, I've just given birth to a child yeah. and my abdominal muscles uh, have separation. That's a different answer. Yeah, separation is a completely different can thing. I, can I quickly answer the separation one? Yeah. 
that's where like I've I've worked with mothers who have recently given birth with that, and that's where you liaise with their specialist, or in this case, you liaise with your specialist uh, on certain pelvic floor movements, etc., and abdominal movements that are going to help to rehabilitate the area and gradually improve that strength. Absolutely. If the question is related to how do I get rid of the gut, stop eating shit. Yeah, absolutely. That that is seriously the best best place to start i mean there's really no point if you're not addressing what you're putting into your mouth there's really no amount of sit-ups you can do that's going to help you um so basically you can tighten your abdominal areas doing exercises but they're still not going to show through unless you start getting rid of the layer of fat that's on top of them weight training and eating less shit food have a really profound uh, impact on your body shape and composition next why is it harder to lose weight as you get older? Great question. Yes. Now, this is documented proof. There, There is documented proof that it is harder because as we get older, our metabolisms naturally slow down as part of the aging process. Now, that can affect people pretty much in their 30s onwards. Mm. So the average statistic is that the average adult over their lifespan will lose seven kilos of muscle mass and gain 15 kilos of body fat, which has a tremendously negative effect on metabolism, body composition, etc. but also leads to what we call the accelerated aging effect. You know how people, as they get older, start to lose their ability to function normally. You start to rely more on, you know, walking sticks, uh, walkers, etc. And then you get, unfortunately, you know, people taking falls, Mm-hmm. Busting hips, busting knees, etc., are all things we would like to avoid as we get older. Yes. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. There has been uh, research out there for a number of years now showing that you can actually build muscle tissue into your 90s, mm-hmm. which almost by itself blows away the horse shit excuse of, oh, well, I'm too old. Because no, you're not. It's an attitude thing. Now, age does play a difference. Now, I have worked with a lot of people in my career who are basically late 40s and up, even into the 70s. Now, yes, things do change as we get older and things theoretically do get harder if you're doing nothing about it. With anyone that's even getting older, it's very much a similar approach to someone who's younger. Get them in the gym, get them lifting weights, let's look at what they're eating, you know, let's help them develop, you know, healthy habits, healthy lifestyle, etc. And things can change. Like we've we've had results with menopausal women, mm-hmm. um, middle-aged to to older men. No one is immune to change. So it does get harder just through the natural aging process and your metabolism slows down, but you can work to address that. Structured weight training helps that a long way and the recurring theme of this episode, eat less shit. And just staying active. I think it's obviously important in general, Matt, as you get older for people that are older in life. Yes. That they do have to stay active Yeah, keep, you got to keep moving. Um, when, when you're younger, a, a body that has a, a raring to go metabolism in its 20s can afford to occasionally sit down and do nothing. As you get older, those those luxuries tend to go away. Mm -hmm. And it's just a case of just taking into consideration that, you know, things are changing and making plans to the structure to suit. So yes, it is a bit harder. Like if you had two, let's say two males, one is 24, one is 54. Both of them want to lose 
30 kilos, nine times out of 10, I would expect the 24-year-old to do it faster, but the 54-year-old will still do it. Yes. Uh, just a few more things need to be taken into consideration. One of the biggest things I tend to take into consideration with someone getting older is giving them enough recovery. Yes. And not, you know, not letting them train like they think they're, you know, 20 years old and bulletproof, but hey, let's take some, some time off here to let your body recover. Yes. Does that help? Yes, I think so. Uh, next one? Yes. All right. Just do one or two more. Wait, this is the second last one. Mm-hmm. How long do I need to exercise each day to make a difference to my shape? Well... Go, Courtney, go. What's the answer? <laughs> good question. Um, Where's the good answer? You're looking at changing your shape. I mean, you're going then back to the episodes we did on the best ways to work out. You're looking at cardio and weight training, which is very important, but you're not looking at working out for um, hours and hours and hours. So I use myself as an example, although I've been doing this for quite a long time, I still don't do that much exercise. So I do three weight training sessions per week, which will go between 45 minutes to an hour. Depending on how long you want a gas bag between your sets. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's including rest times in between, so that's not constant sets. I by, mean, by rest time, she means talking time, no, but that's okay. I mean, like, if I'm doing a heavy leg session, I'm going to need to rest in between. Um, so 45 minutes to an hour, then I do uh, two half-hour cardio sessions per week, and I do some um on the other days i'll do some sort of activity so whether i go for a a walk or something like that well what's the time you spend each week doing intense exercise and add that up including weight training is weight training intense exercise yes yes so if i let's just say i i do weight training for an hour let's just round it up to an hour so that's um four hours including my cardio four hours a week yeah huh not much is it four hours over the week and that's spread out over five days. The average client that we work with, the you know, average, everyone is, you know, people are, are different in different circumstances, but the average person that Courtney and I work with will start with one, two, three hours a week of intense exercise. Mm-hmm. Courtney's very advanced and she does four. Yeah, four is advanced. So, <laughs> what more do you need to know? So, the answer to that question is not as much as you think. No, not as much as you think. You'll go to the gym and you'll see people in there spending an hour and every time you go to the gym, you seem to see them there. Um, well, I see people I know on Facebook checking into the gym twice a day. Yeah. I guess like, oh, you don't need to do so this. So it, 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 there, there is a misconception out there that you need a really a lot of exercise to change your body shape. Nope. You don't need a lot of exercise to change your body shape. You just need to structure it well and do it properly. All right, last question. Hit me. Oh, my turn. How, this is a funny one to end on. Okay. How do how do I stick at it? How do I stick at it? Stick so how do I keep going? I'm assuming. How do I how do I make it what I'm doing last? I'm what, assuming. What's the question again? How do I stick at it? Stop giving up. How do I not quit, basically, is what they're saying. Stop fucking quitting! Actually, you know what? That is the sarcastic asshole Matt answer. If I... Okay, yes, stop quitting. If you 
find yourself not sticking at it, it is worth having an objective look at what you're actually trying to do. So, it, you know, I, I can just sit here in my chair and say, ooh, stop quitting. Is what you're doing unsustainable? If it is, then it's not so much that you're failing because you can't stick with it, it's that the program you're doing fucking sucks. Yes. And that needs to be looked at. So I would say to anyone asking, how do I stick with it? Are you doing something you can't sustain? Because if you are, you aren't going to stick with it because that's what unsustainable means. And that I think that actually ties back, what well, does tie back to the question we got earlier, Courtney, of what do you consider a healthy lifestyle? It's one I can sustain. Yeah. Because then, I, because then I don't need to worry about sticking with it because I know I can. Well, not only sustainable, but it's also a lifestyle that you want to do. Well, there is that. So you have to actually want to do it, which helps with sticking at something. Yes, but I, I think if I'm being serious about this, my first response is a question of sustainability. Yes. Is what you're doing sustainable or are you simply trying to either do too much at once change too much at once or a combination of all the above. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, or you might be following a process, like we mentioned, that is unsustainable for day-to-day life. Oh, you mean like the soup diet that you're on for two weeks? Yeah. So there's a lot of factors into saying, well, how do I stick at it? Well, it depends on what you're doing, basically. And then if you're doing everything, you're saying, look, I've got a good structured exercise routine, I'm eating your really good balanced lifestyle, what then do you tell the person, Matt, of how do I stick at it? What are you working towards? Yeah, 100%. What's the goal here? That's what I would have said. So are you doing this just for the sake of doing it or are you doing it because you need to do it? Or is is there something you're working towards or some sort of pain you're working to take away? Yeah. So to me, when I was getting into it, it was easy to stick with it because I was trying to take away the pain of not liking my situation. Mm. So maybe the answer to this question is why are you doing it? Yeah, I think as well people... But also sustainability is a big one, I've got to say. Sustainability is a big one. But I think as well, I think once you just on the the second note there, Matt, of are you doing it because you really want to do it, I think that it's funny because since doing this podcast... And being in the industry that we're in, so people often ask us what we do, we share our lifestyle, what we eat, how we exercise. If we didn't do that, I would never think about it. I think there's a misconception that it's like it takes so much thought every day or, you know, we're really, it's a massive process, our routine. Hey, can you ask that question again? I've got the actual answer. Just one second. That... I think that if we didn't speak about it all the time, it's just a routine for me. It's just a, it's just become a routine. I someone once asked me a while back um, whether I take breaks, quote unquote breaks, when I am on holidays, and. Oh, you mean like you go back to normal? Yeah, like go back to normal. And I had no idea (laughs) what she was talking about until I got her to explain it. And I said, well, no, because this is my normal. It's become my normal. So the idea of, you know, to me of how do I stick at it, um, I think it's become to a certain point where I don't even think about it really. Um, Of course, you have days where it's hard or it's challenging or you're not getting the results that you might want and that makes it hard and challenging and you're trying to figure out why your body's not functioning a certain way but in terms of the the actual just routine that i have i don't ever question it because i don't even ever think about it really but anyway matt how do i stick at it make it a habit Mm. 
Well, it's probably just goes to what I was just saying. My routine is habit. That's probably why I don't think about it because it is just habit for it me is. to go it's to habit. the gym. Yep. I don't enjoy working out. I think I've made that pretty obvious in previous no, podcasts. No, you haven't. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> but I don't really even think about it. People say, oh, you don't like it. You must have to psych yourself up to go to the gym. I don't even really think about you it. You just go. I, I can vouch for it. She just goes. I don't think about it. I know I don't like it, but I don't even think, I don't even stop just to think about it. Like it, I, it's just something that I do. And you know, tell me if you agree with this, is one of the things that makes it easy for you is because you know what the payoff is. Well, that, that is right. That is 100% right. The investment and I know, is, sorry, the reward's worth the investment. And I know that that t- comes with time. It's the same thing with making your routine a habit. It comes with time. But I think when then you talk about how do, how do I stick at it, you've got you to gotta remember that. It is going to take time, but eventually the, the reward is going to be there. And just like anything else, once you start to see results and once you start to see reward for your effort, it makes you want to do it even more. And then you're going to help yourself even more because then that increases the chances it's going to become a habit. So I know I can sit here and say, well, I've been doing this for five years or whatever, that of course it's you know easy for you to be a habit for you now. But I would call my, what my routine a habit for a really long time. It's not something it's just happened. The, my, this routine and this habit developed years ago. For me. I think what also helped with you getting into it early on was I didn't give you too much to start with. Correct. But then I think as well early on, if you're right though with the results, I started to see results. Within that and, and first it. 12 months of, of starting, I saw results. 12 weeks. I, I felt results. 12 weeks. So first three months, I started to see my body change. Obviously, I, I wasn't anywhere close to reaching the goal that I set for myself, but I started to see things change. You were taking steps forward all so, across the board. And that, is, and that is the biggest thing to always remember. And, and that's where you go back as well. Listen to our podcast on um, recognizing and celebrating small wins mm. because it's th- those things, I can't beat my drum about those enough. Those things are so easily overlooked by us. We overlook them all the time. And so it's so easy to get into a headspace uh, that's negative. So whenever you talk as well about how to stick at it, celebrate the small wins. Have a look at what you've done along the way because having that satisfaction and that sense of achievement for our brains, it just it, it just reinforces to, you, to your brain why you're developing this as a habit. That would be episode 61 of this very fine podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Cool. Anyway, episode- I've spoken for enough. Uh, that was a very zen answer. Uh, well done, dear. You've become a full Jedi. I will present you with your I lightsaber so once we're done. And the Jedi's, they get to move shit around without having to move. How good would that be? Cool story, bro. So <laughs> you can email us at podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com or you can message us through our Facebook page. You'll never guess it, The Weight Loss Podcast. Yes. Cool. If you have any questions you'd like us to add to our random Q&A please for the next time we do questions. this. And please feel yes. free to deliberately try and troll us. 
because any questions you think might get us started on a rant, go for it because I like to stir my wife up. Obviously as well with these questions, we try not to spend too much time on each one of them because we want to get through as many as we can. And we fail miserably. But in saying that, if we did mention something today's episode that you want to hear us elaborate further on, um, then please let us know that feedback as well because we're more than happy to do whole episodes on topics. We just want to make sure that the topics we're doing are something you guys want to hear. Basically, what Courtney's saying here is, oh my God, please talk to us. We're so lonely. Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can help us with our loneliness. Yes, absolutely. On that note, let's uh, call it a show. Courtney, well done. High five. Boom. High five to you. Boom. Speak to you soon. Hope this has helped. If it hasn't, stiff shit. Blame Courtney. Bye. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.